0: NBC. The 1990s. What is NBA up,
1: everybody? This is Jim Malik and you're listening to a bonus episode of Pod of Fame, the podcast where we break down former athletes and decide whether or not that you get a call to the hall. On today's bonus, this is just a continuation of Monday's podcast. So on Monday, uh, released a Sean Kemp episode. It went about an hour 30 and uh, I recorded with my buddy Wanda, who's a Sean Kemp enthusiast to say the least. I'm um, getting a ton of downloads there, but that episode on Monday, that was not all. That was not the end of the conversation I had with Wanda. We talked for another half an hour, more than half an hour, about 38 minutes. Uh, and I really enjoyed the conversation. We were just kind of messing around, talking about 90s power forwards, and we built. Uh, Mount Rushmore's, our favorite power forwards, and I decided, hey, let's just put into a bonus, uh, not make it look too intimidating. A two-hour podcast can can sometimes be a lot, and I'm glad I did, because so far, uh, Monday, it's one of the most downloaded podcasts we've ever had, the Sean Camp one, and I'm glad I'm separating this, because maybe everyone doesn't want to make it through two hours, but maybe chunking it in an hour and a half for Sean Camp, and then for the people that really love 90s basketball, really want to talk about power forwards. We we talk about power forwards. You're, you're, you've you're heard of Charles Barkley, and then maybe you have you forgot, but had a lot of fun doing this Wando. So all, all you're going to hear on this bonus is Wando and I talking about 90s power forwards back and forth for just under 40 minutes and building Rushmore. So if that's up your alley, stick around and listen. If it's not, we'll have a new episode on Monday. Uh, but... That's all this is. Fun bonus, Wando and I messing around late at night, talking 90s power forwards. Uh, so with that, here's the bonus episode. Enjoy. All right, welcome to a bonus segment. This is the this is same conversation I was having with Wando earlier in the week. We released our Sean Kemp episode one of my favorite players, non one of my favorite non Chicago players of all time, uh, we released on Monday. Uh, and and this was originally going to be part of that episode, but we just I knew it was going to happen to Wando, but we just got carried away with how much we were talking about camp. There's a lot to, to, to break down about his career, to be honest, so it was worth the time to do. But while we were discussing uh camp and discussing how much we love him and he's one of our favorite players, all that stuff. We wanted to do some sort of Rushmore draft uh, and we wanted to do it about the 90s and all that. And we were going to include it again in the camp episode, but it's just too long. So we're breaking this out into a, a mini bonus segment. Uh, the rules of this draft, it, it's strictly 90s. It's strictly power forwards. And we're not picking out the best power forwards from the 90s. We're picking out our favorite power forwards from the 90s. I thought that'd be a little more interesting, maybe bring out some names none of us have thought about in a while. Um, So the rules are the player to, to be elected, a player had to be drafted after, or I'm sorry, before 94 draft or before. So before the 95 draft. So the reason I picked 95 is Kevin Garnett was part of the 95 draft. So Kevin Garnett is off limits. Someone like Timmy Duncan, who is 90, I think, seven draft, he's off limits. Players like that are off limits. Rasheed Wallace is off limits. Really good power forwards came in later half of the 90s. I'm talking purely 90s, almost played their whole career in the 90s or their peaks in the 90s. Um, so anyone drafted in the 94 draft or below, they are completely fair game. But if you're drafted in 95 or after, you are not another player. Why do I realize after I made those rules? was Antonio McDice, who I would love to draft in this, but I'm not. So again, that's the rules. Favorite 90s power forwards drafted in the 94 drafter earlier. And we're going to build a rush more of this. And and again, the whole reason we're doing is because we just talked about camp on the pod. We took a little breather. Um, Kemp's one of our favorite power forwards of all time, but the 90s in general had some excellent names in here that really get lost in the shuffle and, and, the way we can bring these names to light just for a little bit here is through this draft. So as specific as possible, nineties power forwards, our favorites. I asked you, do you want the first pick? You told me, no, I was not happy because I wanted the second and third pick because we're doing a snake draft here. And I think it's a little top heavy here. So I will take the first pick because you, the guest always gets to decide what pick they want. My first pick, maybe it's good. We separated this from the Kemp podcast because it's actually not Kemp, which seems like a disservice because we just did the Kemp podcast. It's actually Charles Barkley. Oh, damn. Um, it's Cyril Charles. It's Charles Barkley is like outside of Chicago players like Michael and Scotty. Charles Barkley may be my next favorite player in NBA history because they're, he's a unicorn. And, and, when, and when you think of unicorns, you think of Giannis. And you, you think of these elite freak athletes, right? You think of Giannis. Um, you think of players of that magnitude. People are calling Zion a unicorn now. Perzingis, they were calling a unicorn early on. Seven threes, shoots threes, all that stuff. You know, the Joker. Charles Barkley was like six foot four six foot five the round mount, or round mound of rebound but was like one of the best rebounders in NBA history at, at six four six five I always as a kid I thought he was like six eight the way he rebounded but he was no taller than honestly point guards are today and he was down low grabbing boards just being an absolute menace and he did that for a very long time he also would like he was probably what Wanda like 250, 260 easy. during like easy. I mean, I know there's stories in pre-draft he didn't want the Sixers, uh, to pick him, so he he added like a ton of weight. He was eating like non. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe he wanted the Sixers. No, I think he wanted the Sixers to bypass him anyway. He was eating like, like McDonald's and Burger King and all that stuff to try to gain as much weight, and he almost got like near three hundred pounds or over three hundred pounds. So. He was an enormous guy, but let's say he was normally like 6'4", 6'5", 250 plus, um, and he averaged 12 boards a game for his career at that weight. And he led the league in rebounding um, in his third year in the league at 14.6 boards per game um, at that size. But it wasn't just the rebounding. He was an elite score. I mean, he had a season where he averaged 28 points per game over the course of his career, he averaged 22 points per game. And he was a great passer too. I think people forget that he averaged about four assists per game in his career. He was always hovering around the four to five range. He was an excellent playmaker also earlier in his career. When he was at like peak athleticism, he had a season where he averaged over two steals a game. He was averaging over 1.5 blocks a game. A few like, for as big as he was and how overweight he maybe was at times, the athleticism he had at that weight and that size is is unmatched. Like The closest, I guess you could say, is Zion today, who's taller than that, um, about as heavy, probably a little heavier, but taller than him. But we think of Zion as one of the freakiest athletes of all time. I don't think Barkley was ever dunking like Zion does, but Barkley was at least athletically, I think uh, on the same level as a Zion. And it's just, it's something we had never seen before. But unlike Zion, and this is a pro, Barkley was one of the best rebounders in the game. I think that's the one thing people are a little disappointed about Zion right now. Zion does not rebound um, for his size how he should. I think he averages seven boards a game. We all think, I think we all thought Zion was like, oh, he's a taller Barkley. That's what I always thought the comp was for Zion. He's a taller Barkley that's faster. That's going to be scary. But he does not rebound anywhere near the caliber that Sir Charles did. And it's a little disappointing. But Barkley's by far my pick. 11-time All-NBA, 11-time All-Star, won a rebounding title, was league MVP in 93. And not only just on the court, but off the court, I mean, we all know him from TNT now and how he covers the game. I love him as a commentator, but he was just the ultimate entertainer. You watch him on the 92 dream team that had Jordan. Barkley's the most charismatic guy on that team. He's where everyone gravitates to. He made it bigger. I mean, everyone in the world knew who Jordan was, but everyone also knew who Barkley was. He was honestly Jordan's equal. I think in Barcelona in terms of popularity, just a very, like everyone's drawn to him charismatic. I went to his NBA reference page, Wando, just now there's basketball reference page. So I want to see his nicknames. That's what I want to see. Uh, I know the first like three or four, and then there's like 12 more that I've never heard before. So we all know Sir Charles. We know the round mound of rebound. We know the Chuckster, but then we have stuff like the Prince of peace, pizza, or pizza, the leaning tower of pizza, bread truck, Boy George, Love Boat, Food World, (laughs) Crisco Kid, Wide Load from Leeds, tons of fun. Oh,
0: Wide Load from Leeds, like that that needs to be there.
1: Good Time Blimp, like I didn't even name them all, those, like, excellent. So Barkley, he did it all in the 90s other than win a finals, uh, you know, win an NBA finals, but he was against Jordan in 93. We already talked about what he did in the series before against Kemp in the Kemp episode. He couldn't do much more. That was his best season. He was doing it all. He just went against up against an all-time great, you know, peak Jordan, peak Pip. Um, can't blame him there. But one of my favorite players in NBA history, not just the 90s, but by far my favorite power forward. So that's my number one selection. It really wasn't even hard as much as I love Kemp. Barkley's my number one
0: yeah so um first uh to touch on it because you know I'm one of those you know I need to finish things um Zion yeah he's not even number one he's actually not even number two on rebounding on this team he's number three because Steven Adams then it's Josh Hart then it's Zion um Chuck is it's a great first pick I was hoping you would take Carl Malone uh, oh, my God. No. Yeah. But like and then, you know, and so if people who are going to get mad because he's not going to be on my list. Um, it's our favorite. It's not best.
1: That's uh, key. I tried to emphasize that enough yeah. in the beginning. If I do, so, it's our favorite.
0: You know, if people are if you're coming, if you're coming for us later, just remember, like, I don't have to like Carl Malone. And I don't think anyone really should. No. Um, but Chuck, he's like he was a dominant player. He was the the, hot, the leading scorer for the dream team. Had just yep. amazing quotes like I don't know like where Angola is, but Angola's is in trouble. Just like people are, and then him just like people are just coming up like taking photos with him like before the game, and he's like, "What's going on?" And he's hysterical. Chuck is who he is. Charles is one of the greatest power forwards ever. You know, you know, Shaq bags on him always for never winning an NBA title. But, you know, there's only so much that you know he could do about that, um, and he's always. If you're not going to win a you know win a title in your sport, I think the next best thing is to be the person they always bring up. Even though some people might see it as a knock, you know that you are on the forefront of people's minds. So it's not like it's kind of like Dan, like they might not like it, but I think in some ways, even though it sucks, I think it's still like, hey, he's one of the best players, even though he didn't win one. You know, Dan Marino's got the same thing. I think Dan Marino probably takes it more personally.
1: Yeah, and I mean, again. I don't know what else they wanted from for not just the finals that year, but for the whole playoffs in 93, he averaged 27 points per game, 14 boards, four assists, two steals and a block. So I, I, I mean, I don't know what else we wanted from him. That's all he could do. So the not championship thing, like a lot of people in the nineties didn't win championships because of the Chicago bulls and Michael Jordan. Um, I mean, in that finals, that's the finals Jordan averaged 41 points a game. Uh, nine nine boards and six assists. It just makes me laugh even yeah. reading that line off. It's just dumb. Um, I actually went back in the finals, Chuck averaged 27 points, 13 boards, six assists. So that's all-time great. But Jordan just makes him look dumb because Jordan's Jordan. And we don't need to go into that here. Yeah. Um, I might have to do a, a day once where I just worship Jordan for like two hours and make everyone sick, but that's not today. So Barkley's my number one pick. Wando, you have two picks now back-to-back. This is where I wanted to be. Go ahead. Your favorite power forwards from the 90s.
0: All right. So the first one we'll keep kind of short because we just talked about him for a whole bunch of time in that Sean Kemp. For all the reasons we mentioned, I love Sean Kemp. I love the way he played. You know, I loved him in those jerseys. Like, I think it's one of the few times where the redesign was still extremely good because sometimes you see a redesign of a jersey and it's trash. He was so exciting to watch. He had one of the most underrated nicknames, the Rain Man, which is, you know, for those of you who aren't big geography fans, you know, it happens to rain quite a bit in Seattle. Um, but it's spelled R-E-I-G-N. He just is just one of those players that I can never get out of my mind. And I would be remiss if he wasn't at the top of my list. of I love Charles Barkley. Um but I would, even if I had the first pick, I probably would have took Kemp. And that's the reason I took the second pick because I knew you wouldn't take Kemp first. I just had a feeling. Um, so Sean Kemp is easily my number one pick. Um, my second pick, um, and this is where there's like four or five that I feel like I could take. But if I'm going favorites, I'm going to go Dennis Rodman.
1: Ah, that's mine. We're <laughs> chalked so far. I yeah. I was Barkley, Kemp, Rodman was my list. so
0: far. And that you know that was mine too. You know, Dennis, you know, even though, like, his points per game are 7.3 points per game, 13.1 rebounds, 1.8 assists, he's a two-time All-Star, which I feel is way less than it should be. Um, But Defensive Player of the Year, back-to-back years, um, he's all defense eight times. He is just a machine. He is the greatest rebounder that has ever been produced. Um, You see him in like I think now as I've gotten older as I've gotten to see more of the behind the scenes of it you know sometimes when the curtains drawn back you know we see the man behind the curtain sometimes it can hurt their legacy. I feel like actually as time has gone on a little bit of you know Rodman's legacy has been helped because people are so like everyone knew that he you know he had some issues going on but I think people are more impressed with just basically how he still functioned and functioned highly well, even with dealing those, you know, we saw in the last dance, how he basically goes 48 hours, goes off on vacation, just comes back in he's just running, running laps. You know, right now I'm at an age that if I go out and I have more than like three Miller lights, I need to lay down on the couch for a week, not go play an NBA game. So Dennis Rodman for me, you know, the worm, you know, the hair, the personality, everything about him, just, you know, I loved him. I thought he was super entertaining. I love that when he was up big in games, at the end of the games, he would just start shooting threes. And he was just like, I'm going to stand in a corner. And uh, it was always just awesome. So my two picks are Kemp and then Dennis Rodman.
1: Yeah, I cannot argue with those picks at all. Of course, we talked at, Kemp at length on Monday or for Monday's podcast. So if you're listening today, you did not listen to Mondays on Sean Kemp, and then you decide to listen to this instead, I'm confused what your decision making is is at this point but go ahead and listen to us talk about Kemp for like well over an hour if you want to hear what I think about Kemp um as a player Rodman of course is a Chicago guy uh you know I the one thing about Rodman though like as a kid right we were kids when Rodman's on those Bulls teams uh I did not realize how at the like the, especially the 98 run how Rodman really was like almost a non-factor in the, in that last year but that doesn't change the fact that for, for early, earlier in that decade with his, his time in the Pistons, as well as his time on the Spurs. And then even his, his first, at least the '96 championship with the Bulls, one of the best defenders in the league um, could guard anyone. I, like one of the first guys who's interchangeable and could guard, honestly, three, fours, fives, even guards at times. Cause he was so quick. Um, and and just one of the more fascinating players, most one of the more entertaining players of all time. I remember, Thinking it was so interesting, he always took his jersey off after the game and threw it in the crowd. He's one of the first to do that. It's hard to believe this, but back when he first started playing, not everyone was tatted up. So he was one of the first guy to have like a million tattoos. He's changing his hair all the time. He's just like as a kid, and you're watching this, and you're like that guy is different in every imaginable way. The way he played, the way he looked, he's just someone kids gravitate to, and and now as you know, as an adult and as someone who you know, cover, covers the game and watches all this, you just appreciate how dominant he was when you look at his numbers. He's averaging 18 boards a game some seasons. That's not something we may ever see again. And then he's averaging 18 boards a game at six foot seven when players like Alajuan are in the league, David Robinson are in the league, Ewing's in the league, um, Alonzo Morning's in the league, like some of the best centers, Dakembi Matumbo's in the league. Those guys are all elite rebounders, and Rodman's the one winning all the rebounding titles. It, it's it's honestly astonishing. So, my next two picks. So now I got two more. I pick Barkley first. My second pick is someone who's very '90s, Larry Johnson, um, of they the Hor- of the of the Charlotte Hornets, and then later the New York Knicks. Grandma. So Larry Johnson, someone who. Had an even shorter peak than Sean Kemp, but his peak was like, I mean, he came to the league firing. He, he won rookie of the year. Um, came out of UNLV was the first pick overall lived up to the hype immediately. He was, he was kind of undersized like six, seven, but he kind of played power forward, uh, small forward, power forward, Averaged 19 points, 11 boards four assists. So excellent rebounder. Again, a bigger guy, um, not, not, not nearly as like big as Barkley, but like a bigger guy and kind of undersized still, but could bang down low. And then his sophomore season was even better. Went 22 points a game, 11 boards, four assists. So uh, actually a better score than Kemp. Um, and, and it was just a monster for, for Charlotte. It was a fun team. It was him. Alonzo Mourning was on those teams. Muggsy Bugs was on those teams. And those Charlotte teams were a lot of fun in the early 90s. Um, and then he kind of, he makes two all-star teams in all NBA second team, actually. But then he just absolutely falls off a cliff, very similar to Sean Camp, goes to the Knicks, completely loses all of his power um, and, and just becomes kind of a spot-up shooter. He has a really famous play in New York. Um, in the playoffs, I think it's like a four-point play that's kind of replayed all the time. But I always remember Larry Johnson won because of the movie Space Jam. Honestly, like Space Jam came out The aliens are stealing the best players in the NBA's powers. And it's, 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 it's going to be Charles Barkley. Okay. Makes sense. It's going to be Ewing. That makes sense. And then it's Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues and Sean Bradley. So they got, they were kind of two for five there, but Larry Johnson was in that movie. So you think of him as one of the better players of the nineties. He was in your face, obviously as a kid in that kid's movie. Um, and then also the grandmama, like, like that, that's insane. When you look back, like that was a huge deal. Him, him do Was that a commercial or yeah. was it just like, it was a commercial. He was dressed up as a grandma. I don't, what was that selling? I don't even know. What was that? it? Was,
0: oh, I believe it was his shoes. I think he had it was uh, shoes. Uh, yeah. I think, like, I think it was Converse shoes.
1: So, so I don't know what the hell that was all about, but that stuck with me. That was on TV. I knew him in like a grandma outfit. And, and Larry Johnson was just like an essential 90s um,
0: power yeah, forward yeah.
1: where, you know, when video games started showing those old school teams, Hornets, 90s, Larry Johnson is someone you wanted to, to play with. And again, it's one of those 90s players like Kemp peaked very short peak, but was a great player for a short period of time and then just kind of faded out. And I think Larry was more due to injury than anything else. I think he got injured. He lost his power. Um, he lost his athleticism. And then he became more of a spot-up three-point cheer. Um, And then it was out of the league, I believe, by early 30s. I think by age 31, actually out of the league before Kemp. Probably Kemp should have left when Larry did as well. But had an even shorter career than Kemp. Will never, ever get near the Hall of Fame. But just a fun player who dunked on people. I think he was also in the movie Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg. So I think he was in two movies and he's dunking on people in that number two. That's a famous Jersey that Charlotte jersey You're going to see out a lot too. If you go to a college campus. So Larry Johnson, super famous, fun, power forward who had a few good peak seasons, but just never amounted to the potential he had coming out of UNLV and being the number one pick in the draft. I don't yeah. if you have anything else to say before no, I move I on to my next. I,
0: I can't, you know, I, Larry Johnson was on my list. Uh, he's such a fun player. Um, I like, he was, and once again, it's favorite. He was just such an interesting guy. I always thought, and still when I see him it's just, he was one of the more jacked basketball players. Especially yeah. at that time, you know, nowadays, there's so much, you know, in trainers, in science about what you're eating, how you're training. So a lot of guys are in better shape nowadays. You know, you had, you know, back then, not everyone was in the best of shape. Some people were, some people weren't. But Larry Johnson, like he always, you know, he jumped off the, like, the screen to me just because of he's, first of all, in those great jerseys in Charlotte, back on that old honeycomb court, which I miss all the time. Um, but he was jacked just yoked. And I was just like, it always just impressed me. Uh, but yeah, he was someone who just kind of, yeah, like Kemp, he just fell off the face of the earth. He just, and his, I think a lot more has to do, you know, with injuries and just, you know, he lost a step then he just couldn't recover.
1: Yeah. So my next pick is someone I've actually covered on the pot of fame and he's someone who's super forgotten, but I actually talked to Sam Smith who covered the bulls for, I mean, he still covers the Bulls now, but <laughs> he covered the Bulls during the Jordan air and all of that, wrote the Jordan rules. Um, and we talked about Horace Grant in, 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 in detail. And, and Horace Grant is one of my favorite power forwards from the 90s, and he's just someone who's completely overlooked. And it's, it's a shame he was, because he was, as Rodman was, and I, I guess we look at Rodman as the third guy on those Bulls teams in the late 90s, Horse Grant was more important to the first three peat of the Bulls than Dennis Rodman was to the second three-peat. Sam and I easily broke that down that Horse Grant played a much bigger role. It's just he was completely, he's completely forgotten on those teams. He he won those three championships with them. He was a consistent guy who was putting up like 12 points per game and eight boards. He was one of the best defenders at his size. He could cover A number of positions was very agile. I think he made full all NBA defensive second teams. He was just a one-time all-star because he never really got his due with the Bulls because back in the early 90s, even more than the late 90s, Jordan was getting his shots up. I just told you in the uh, 93 finals with Barkley there, Jordan averaged 41 points per game. Um, There's not many more points to go around after Scotty gets his 20 after that. So Grant was always, again, super serviceable, had the goggles, like one of the most famous guys, I think in NBA history with the goggles. And then he went over to the magic and he helped them get to the finals after he left the Bulls, And he averaged a little, like I think he averaged about 15 points per game with the magic. Cause there was no Jordan on that team, but there was still Shaq and Penny Hardaway. So he's still the third fiddle there. Like I honestly look at his career and, and I think, I always wonder, like, if he was on his own team, how much, how many points per game could he put up? Could he average 20 points a game? Could he do a 20-10? I really think he could have been. Um, I, I look at someone like Chris Bosh, right, who I did a, a pot of fame on a, a couple of weeks ago. He's he's obviously, I think, gonna get in the Hall of Fame this year in this upcoming class. He won two championships with the Heat. He sacrifices numbers quite a bit to win those championships with the Heat. But he had that excellent career with the Raptors, which I think proved to everyone, hey, he can do it on his own in terms of scoring 2010. But to win a championship, he had to be the third guy. Grant never had that kind of first act. He just always was the third guy. But Grant's role on those teams was just as important as Bosh's was on those Heat teams. And again, he won three championships with the Bulls, not two like Bosh. He won, again, one later with the Lakers um, in the early 2000s. Uh, So he actually won four chips. He just never really got the recognition. But as a Chicago guy, it's kind of a Homer pick. But he was someone I always look at as an underappreciated power forward of the 90s. And I already gave him a platform with that pot of fame episode with Sam Smith. We both don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Don't get this twisted here. But just an essential 90s power forward who's going up against a lot of these, the Kemps, the Barclays was responsible for them on defense. And I think is just forgotten, but a very famous guy, at least in my world and a guy, I I would like to give the platform to probably one last time here in this powerful Rushmore, he would be the third guy on my Rushmore. So I got Barkley, I got Larry Johnson and I got Horace Grant.
0: And uh, he's also, you know, he's also the opening. He's the opening ending to NBA jam actually get us full circle when they, you come in, I don't know if it's on the arcade, but I know on the Super Nintendo, the guy dunks and it's Horace Grant. He kind of comes toward the screen. He has those, he has, and Horace Grant is one of those people. If you know who he is, you instantly picture him in your head because you've seen him. He's those infamous goggles. You remember him? And he was a consistent player. And that's the other thing, you know, he's on these teams that he's just overshadowed. Cause he also, I believe he spent some time with the Lakers too. Like, when we won his
1: fourth championship, yeah,
0: right? he he spent so he was always overshadowed by bigger players, bigger personalities. So it was harder for him to kind of get the recognition he probably deserves.
1: All right, Wando, your last two, these are your last two picks. You finish up your Rushmore. So you got Sean Camp up there, and you got Dennis Rodman up there. That's that's a pretty damn good start. So finish yeah, it off.
0: Yeah, I'm already gonna let you know my fourth pick is probably it's going to get some questioning. All right. So my third pick, your though, favorite, I can't question. Yeah. Your fa- is it so, PJ Brown? Cause I almost put it no, on my list. Cause I love is, PJ Brown. I don't, I don't think you'll see a coming. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so my third one is, even though he's very close to the border, he still makes it in Is Chris Weber. I love yeah. Chris. I love Chris Weber. Chris Weber is one of those guys who I, first of all I feel bad for cause he's always remembered for, you know, his so close moments calling a timeout in, you know, you know, when they didn't have a timeout, you know, did he get paid at Michigan, which is, you know, NCAA players to get paid. So it doesn't bother me. Um, them coming Oh, so close to beating the Lakers. Um, he's always reminded of that, but Chris Weber was dominant. He averaged 20.7 points a game, 9.8 rebounds, 4.2 assists. He was a five-time all-star. He was the 93, 94 rookie of the year. All NBA first team only once, but he, first of all, in his younger years, he was not as like, he, he couldn't jump out the gym as well as Kemp, but he was not a slouch. He got up, you know, in his days in golden state, he was getting up and down the floor. He's making amazing plays and he's, he looked great. But the thing that I think is the most underrated thing about Chris Weber is I think he is one of the best passing big men yep i've ever seen yep him in like i think in the 90s the two most underrated passers are chris weber and arvidas sabonis arvidas sabonis and chris weber are two guys who i saw get in the paint you know get to the block or get to the top of the key and share it so well Just find the right guy their basketball iq is off the charts So I loved watching him play. I loved watching him on those Kings teams, obviously like near the end of his career. Like, you know, he gets, you know, a little bit of time in Washington and some other places, but he had a great career and I think he definitely belongs on this list.
1: All right, so that's your that's your number three pick. Who's, who's routing out your rush more?
0: Um, this one is a complete outlier. I literally put him on my list. Originally, just as like a fun, like I always thought about him in the 90s. Uh, it's Bo Outlaw. I love Bo Outlaw. <laughs> yes. So I love Bo Outlaw too. Um, he wore Mark, goggles too, right? He did. He, but his yes. kind of more like sunglasses. So he got a little bit. He got a little bit cooler shades. So oh um, for anyone who doesn't know who Bo Alla is, Bo Alla is no like star. Bo at the best point of his career, averaged like nine point five points a game. He shot like fifty five percent from the free throw line. Um, but he was just like a really fun, like energetic player. Um, shot
1: blocker for sure. He was a great shot blocker.
0: Yeah, and he. Um, I remember him mostly from his time in Orlando, um, where he had like his best years. You know. he's not put up a lot of shots they're all but it was always just I really enjoyed watching play he averaged about 7.8 rebounds um yeah like in his best season he averaged 2.2 blocks he had like 1.3 steals um but the thing that always got me is just like I always remember the name and also the thing that always gets me is uh he he made multiple threes in his career Um, And all of them were like last second, like the shot clock is running out or is they all like the end of the half. And it's just every single time it's him surprised he has the ball and just like throwing it and they all just go in and they just make me laugh. So whenever like he's one of those power forwards, that just like one of those random names that lives in the back of your mind. You know, like Terry Porter from like the Blazers lives in the back of my mind because I had like 50 uh, of his like basketball cards like I got like one with a. Uh, I I want to make sure if I talk about the same it's Terry Porter right not like Terry yeah. yeah Terry Porter I had a ton of his basketball cards I feel like I got one in every pack um but Bo Wattlaw is just this name that like I just find synonymous with 90s basketball I always remember him I always like watching him play he was fun because he also became he was on those Orlando Magic teams that had Penny Hardaway, and that's kind of like when they were harmless because they lost Shaq. So, like, I didn't yeah. mind watching him. I wasn't worried about him. So, Bo is my <laughs> fourth. You might you might bring the overall average down, but I love Bo Outlaw. Yeah,
1: so I was going to throw this up on Twitter to see whose Rushmore was better. I think yeah. that gonna, might I- tank you because you were definitely way ahead of me. But you know what? like It's funny with Bo Outlaw. Um, first of all, he barely makes the criteria for this His first season was 93-94, so he barely fits under. But this is – so I have very fond memories of Bo Outlaw as well. I think it's because his best season, when he he played 36 minutes a game, played all 82 games, was the 97-98 season, right? That's where – that was Jordan's last season. That's where, like, I feel like – it wasn't my first year really following the NBA, but it was the first year I really was – like I was studying it. I was looking at the box scores every night. I was watching every night on TV. So it could be because that was his best year. The first year we really started, I don't know if that was for you too, but I started following him at least. He's averaging 10 points per game, eight boards, 2.2 blocks. So he's definitely being recognized on Sports Center. He's de- like, there's definitely probably features in like Sports Illustrated about who is Bo Outlaw because yeah. he was like an, un- I think he was an undrafted guy. He's probably just like, in our. he played 15 years in the NBA. He had like a very long NBA career. So um, I think that's a perfectly fair last pick for you. And also, However,
0: when you're a kid, you know, you hear like, that's like a cool name. Like, it's it's a a great great older, name. you're just like Bo Outlaw. Like, oh, like I'm, I'm for anyone who doesn't know me. I'm a big wrestling fan. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'd be Bo Outlaw. Like, what a cool name. It's just like it just drew me to him.
1: Yeah, you you however have left me in a predicament because for my last pick, I have so many options now. I thought many. I thought some of these guys would be gone. Um, you know, I have names down here like Derek Coleman. I was thinking about Vin to. Baker, Tommy yep. Um, One player I'm really having trouble not putting on, but I'm not. It's it's between him and I'll tell you, it's between the guy I'm about to say and the, my actual pick. But I really wanted to put Anthony Mason on here. Um, oh, a- Anthony Mason to me is like on my all-time. He'll beat the shit out of you team, like <laughs> like all-time in infer- force of yeah. team. And he was a really good passing big man too. People forget that. And I love passing big men just like you do. Not as good as Weber, Sabonis, nowhere near their level. But Anthony Mason, low-key great passer. Um, three assists per game for his career, and I think in his All NBA third team season, he actually averaged like five or six. So I actually I believe- really like. Anthony Mason.
0: And he I believe he was on that Knicks team that went to the NBA finals
1: in 90. I uh, he was on the earlys um let me see. He was on the earlys I, Knicks team.
0: I know he was on those two, So I might be flipping it in my head. I might be you Might
1: yeah. be flipping it cuz yeah, he was on Charlotte when uh Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking
0: I'm, of the early. Yeah, I think of the early.
1: But but anyway, that's not my pick. My final pick is Clifford Robinson. Uh Uncle Cliffy. Uh, 6'10, 225, like one of the first stretch fours in NBA history. Um, shot 36% from three uh, during his career. And, and as a power four, that was unheard of back then. Like he could slip into his MV- er, NBA. Um, he played forever. And because he played forever, he almost scored 20,000 career points. He's actually 51st all time in career points. But his versatility, he was a great defender and he was part of that 92 Blazers teams that met Jordan, the finals. And and the reason he always sticks with me more than, you know, his lifetime stats. And, you know, he had over 1400 steals just under 1400 blocks. Like he was compiling those throughout his career, but in video games, he had a headband on at all times. And as a kid, having a headband on is awesome. And, and, and Clifford Robinson was someone when he was on the Blazers, the Suns, he had the headband on, he was always around the league. He was this tall, skinny guy who could shoot threes. And again, in 90s NBA, there was not many tall, skinny guys shooting threes. So he stood out um, and, and I always gravitated to him. So Uncle Cliff, uh, Uncle Cliffy, Clifford Robinson, rest in peace. He just passed away last year, I believe. Um, way too young. He is my final pick for Rushmore. So just for those at home keeping track, um, my Rushmore is Charles Barkley, Larry Johnson, um, Horace Grant, and then Clifford Robinson in Wando's Mount Rushmore. Here is Sean Kemp, Dennis Rodman, Chris Weber, and Bo Outlaw. I will throw it up on Twitter to see who had the best Rushmore. I'm going to try to emphasize it is favorite players not best but i feel like people will not read that wando so
0: i don't and they're know going to they're like, gonna be like where's carl malone uh, yeah
1: exactly exactly hopefully that's the giveaway right
0: yeah
1: um again if we were making best power forwards it'd be a completely different list but i didn't really want to give carl malone yeah, too much we don't time so i think we did enough already night so uh wando we're now over a two-hour marathon of talking 90s mba um appreciate it. again if you're listening to this right now that you would just listen to the tail end of our conversation from it came out this Monday, our Sean camp episode. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go listen to that. Uh, But this was just kind of a bonus we want to do for fun, just because we were talking about nineties for the last couple of weeks. We wanted to tackle some of these other players that meant something to us when we were first starting to get in the NBA. So Wando, thank you for staying on for the full two hours plus to cover all this. Thanks for doing Rushmore with us and i'm sure i will have you again on one day but i know sean Kemp was always the episode you wanted to be on so i'm glad we got you on for it and thanks for sticking around to do this uh this rushmore this was fun
0: hey thanks for having me i appreciate it uh you could have got a lot more probably credible people to do this you know probably a, ju- a journalist or something but i appreciate you having me on it's a lot of fun all right have a good night buddy <laughs>
1: All right. So that wraps up uh, the bonus podcast. Again, had a lot of fun with Wanda. We do this stuff all the time when we're either at a bar or sitting in each other's homes. So uh, to record it was, I mean, we would have had that conversation anyway. We just, you know, recorded it, maybe cleaned up our language a little bit. But besides that we're talking about old players like bowl outlaw all the time. So really enjoyed that. Uh, I'll throw on Twitter. Rushmore, see who wins. I think I'm going to win just because the Bull Outlaw went so out of left field, but I do love it. So, uh, Thanks for listening to the bonus, and we will have a new episode on Monday. Have a great weekend.